don't understand. How, how do, like, all these, like, people who are into Sandman, right, they all have to be, like, <laughs> allegedly liberal people. And that they're all like, why isn't death a pasty white woman? I think a lot of it is, um, I think they were liberal for the 90s and early 2000s. Yes, yeah. That's yeah. probable. Even the way Sandman was, was, like, liberal, but for then. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, regressive now, necessarily, yeah. but there are things about it that just are not that great and I think if you're taking their fandom as a reflection of the qualities of that work I think it's understandable I mean, that I have no stake in the same some like loud dummies I've never read it I don't know anything about it's it good. it's really good people who like it are generally obnoxious assholes <laughs> <laughs> like that's been my experience yeah have been like that's fair people who shop at Hot Topic when I was in high school it was always like insufferable people who were talking about Santa right. and stuff and some of those people were my friends so I don't want to act like I'm automatically shitting on all those right. people but it was just like I was like, okay. <laughs> I get you like this thing. I'm trying to think of what would be comparable it to this. It felt very twee, at least. Yeah. I don't have a lot of thoughts or opinions about Neil Gaiman, but from what I understand, people <laughs> who are into his stuff are really into Neil Gaiman. They're like, yeah. it's kind of like a fanny, like, oh my god, Neil Gaiman, yes king, or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes king! episode of why did we watch this the podcast for three friends watch a bad movie talk about what they liked what they didn't like and how they would fix it all while drinking a themed cocktail i am brendan drishler i'm chris ravel i'm lee delahanty <laughs> and as i said earlier this is a mini episode it's the in-between discussion episode where we have a little chat and introduce the movie we'll be doing two weeks from now is our next full episode and that movie will be 2008's My Best Friend's Girl The Summer of Mars and Weddings Continues with this enchanting romantic comedy starring Dane Cook, Kate Hudson Jason Biggs, Alec Baldwin and Lizzie Kaplan. You know what the trailer wants you to think. Yep. Well when I think romantic comedy success. I know, I think Dane Cook. I turn to the oeuvre of Dane Cook. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When I want quality film. Now you're cooking. Yeah. With Dane. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so two of us have never seen this movie, correct? I've seen it. No, I've seen oh, it. Yeah, Chris, you chose me. You're the only one who All right, so it's just Lucky Me who has not yet seen this movie, have, which we're going I need to, to If anyone's going to watch this, I need to apologize to our, our viewers, or uh, not viewers, listeners. There's some really bad oh, there's so language much. and just attitudes towards all people. <laughs> all, bad, all races and creeds. All stars and stripes. If, yep. if the big wedding was just sort of... Um, benign and just sort of oblivious and ignorant and just sort of stumbled into saying bullshit, this movie is much more pointed in saying a lot of bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think The Big Wedding comes from a, like, a, a place of, like, liberal, like, like, a, a like, like kind right, of. Right. Like, like, <laughs> the idea that, like, these people, these people, like, they're so open-minded. They're capital L liberal. Like, how, like, they would never say anything offensive and then in actuality, of course, they're all awful. Right. Whereas, I would maybe adjust the barometer here to, it's, I wouldn't put it at, like, South Park level, but it is Dane Cook at the height of his stand-up career. Cookiness. And that, yes. that was his entire shtick, yes. you know? So, it came I would him. say, I'm, I'm, I really don't want to sound like I'm trying to defend Dane Cook here, but <laughs> no. I don't think that Dane Cook's stand-up was ever actively, like, sexist or homophobic. I think it was passively so in the way that a lot of comedy yeah. was at the time. I would say that this movie is far worse than anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's much more overt than that. Yeah. So if you hate his stand-up comedy, you're going to really hate the, this. The, the attitudes towards uh, women, queer people, various races, of all, of all, of all. that you can see <sighs> in the writing of this movie are mm-hmm. reprehensible. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, for me, this is, I feel, I haven't seen the movie that comes after this, so I can't speak to that mm-hmm. in this order that we're going in. But for me, I feel like this, this epitomizes a lot of what we talked about in the last episode about just like where the yeah. joke is just that, like, yeah. it's, oh, they're, they're foreign. Oh, they're a woman. Oh, they're fat. It's, it's sort of like we're going through a little Joseph Campbell thing here where like we're darkness. entering the cave. Yeah, yeah. we're in part of darkness. <laughs> now. We're going to sort of emerge when we watch something borrowed. I yeah, uh, yeah, I think this will, this will be like our, our the Nadir. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> clearly, while something borrowed is not a masterpiece, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll be a little bit. Uh, you know, I guess we sort of really did do kind of a light, dark, light sandwich. It's, where it's, I'm, I'm glad that worked out that way. You know, I feel like if you're ending with. Uh, my best friend's girl. You're probably doing things wrong. But, but I did recommend this movie, so there's a reason. Yeah. Well, and it's it's funny you're going to say that you don't want to be construed as defending Dane Cook. I mean, not to tip anything too early, but I'm like prepared to defend his acting in very specific scenes. I would actually do uh, that, and I would also defend some of the I think maybe potentially unintentional characterization of yes. his character. Yes. I, I know exactly is, where we're going yeah, with this. Anyway, <laughs> do the episode. I'll be the judge of that. Understand. Yeah, then we'll, then we'll, t- then we'll take yeah. it to Brendan and yeah. <laughs> judge Judy and execute. There's a charitable and interesting take on this movie that you can have, which I don't think is what the author intended, which <laughs> I think is a good segue into our discussion, but we haven't even yes. talked about the drink. Right, yet. no, so Lee, tell us, what is our Summer of Marg drink? So we're going to be drinking a Baja Car Bomb, which yep. is a mm-hmm. very pointed reference to the first five minutes of this movie. Um... <laughs> And what this is going to be is the, about the trashiest, most basic, basic yeah. margarita you can ever have. So you're going to go to Stop and Shop, Market Basket, uh, wherever you do your discount grocery shopping, and you're going to find uh, some basic margarita mix. Um, you're going to get some salt. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be a fourth cup of the margarita mix, half teaspoon, some salt for the for the rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to get... No, three... do the salt and rim for this one, I think. Exactly, I think that yeah. just completes the picture. Not sugar. Yeah. You're going to get three tablespoons of the cheapest Jose Cuervo tequila, you know, the bottom shelf of yes. tequila you can like, get. Would you say like Montezuma level? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever's on sale at your local liquor store. Uh, and two tablespoons of blue curacao. Mm. Um, so you're going to lightly coat the rim of your glass for, for this. Um, I would say part of the presentation is that you, you require you to serve this in red solo. Of course. One um, must. The, uh, that's the, what were you saying before, the brogarita? The yeah. brogarita. <laughs> <Bra-garita. laughs> so you're going to lightly coat that red solo cup with the salt, fill the glass with ice, uh, combine the mixed tequila and blue curacao in a shaker, shake that shit up, strain it into the glass. It's going to look toxic blue. Yeah. It's going to look really, che- really trashy. Yeah. I kind of want to track how, like, fucking sugar high I get off of this, just because, like... Blue curacao is very sweet. Very Blue curacao, the uh, sour mix, yeah. Um, yeah. or margarita mix rather. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just like tequila is very sugary as well. I mean, it doesn't taste sweet, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the basic food groups right there. So yeah. I, I can't wait to like be a, a ball of energy discussing yeah. that movie. Me too. Yeah. All right, so that's what we'll be drinking. And now, here's what we're thinking. Here's what we're thinking. <laughs> so, uh, Lee, if you will uh, sort of uh, take the reins on this one. This was yeah. an idea that you... Well, to, this also sort of came from an AV Club article. It came from an AV which, Club article. I, I shared this AV Club article. Yeah, I have it here, so I can give you the title yeah, real quick. We all, have it we all would have read it anyway, but I, I was like... Yeah, yeah like, check this out. This is I interesting. Like, Guys, I want to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, what's yeah. So, the, uh, the title of the article is If Luca and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier are gay to you, then they're gay by Cameron Sheets. Uh, it was published on their website on June 21st. Yeah, so 
before this, I think we had also talked about um, Anthony Mackie's odd statement his, about... Yeah, very strangely phrased. Yeah, it's, it's badly... I would <laughs> say a badly phrased statement that was maybe well-intentioned, but right. maybe didn't come out that way. There's a version of it that we hope is true. Yeah. yeah. And that we have evidence to believe is true, but it's very hard to tell really what's going on. Yeah, it was it was kind of a word salad situation. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of hard Let to say. Let me try and pull up, actually, that yeah. quote and, and like, But the, the point of his statement was basically, like, it... It could it could have possibly be construed to say like like why do you guys have to gay think everything. that they're <laughs> that these two are gay because it's like you know it's really like this should just be a story about like you know two guys that are caring and nurturing to each other as friends and it's like that's yeah okay yeah but it, it's it could also be construed as him saying like it's like you guys it's it's a bad thing that you guys believe that they're gay when they're not yeah yeah it so should his, not be his quote here just so we have it. Uh, from the Variety Awards Circuit podcast, when asked about Marvel fans' interpretations of the relationship, he said, It used to be guys could be friends, and we could hang out, we could do this, and it was cool. You would always meet your friend at the bar, but you can't do that anymore, because something as pure and beautiful as homosexuality has been exploited by people who are trying to rationalize themselves. Yeah. What does that mean? So, right. Also, I'm not... I think it goes on for even longer. Yeah, no, it does. That's, that's, that's and the, I think yeah. it goes further and further in the as yeah. it keeps going. Which, by the way, we already start to shoot pretty wide at the end of that sentence. Yeah. Okay, where he loses me, and I can pinpoint this specifically, is where he talks about, like, it used to be you could just go meet your friend at a bar and it wasn't a big deal. It's still not a big deal, Anthony Mackie. Yeah, by the way, straight guys, you can go to a bar with your straight guys. Yeah, fellas, is it gay to go to a bar? <laughs> so, okay, so, like, up until that point, I'm like, sure, I agree with you. I think it actually is a massive bummer that, like, toxic, toxic masculinity is so fucking coded into everything that we do and all the messaging that we receive that... In our minds, we can't interpret two straight men acting affectionately with each other without assuming they're gay. And that's, like, a real thing. That is, like, fucked up and dumb, and it's a double standard that makes no sense. Yeah. Where he loses me is where he's trying to be like, well, now I can't go get a drink with my friend. Not true. And now it's being... Ex something as pure as homosexuality is being exploited for people who want to rationalize themselves? What does that mean? Yeah, yeah here's I, the thing. Where this, where this statement really went wrong for me is the idea that people who, like, you know, people who have no real power over the create or the, the intellectual property, like, i.e. fans and fanfiction writers and shit like that, are exploiting homosexuality? Yeah, people that, who exploit homosexuality right, I, are the big media companies you who employ him, who, like, <laughs> right, who employ him and who, like, drop exclusively gay moments <laughs> yeah. that they can cut out for China. Right. right. That who is have, what we call have exploiting Have dance with a guy for 0.5 yeah. seconds well, and then did, the movie. And did you see their giant, like, patting themselves on the back with their whole, like, rainbow character thing that they were putting all over Twitter? Yeah, and, and like, you know... All the big corporations that are like branding merchandise for Pride Month. Right. That, yeah. is, what, that is exploiting homosexuality. Yeah. Which, this would be the a sentence long sidebar. I'm very here for just the apparently suddenly widespread awareness of how fucking corporate and just nothing Pride is anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I probably have the younger generation to thank for that a little bit. Yeah. They're kind of like. Not accepting not it. Not here for <laughs> Which is great. Um, but yeah, the article, if you've read it, it's, it's, I would recommend it. It's a good read. Um, it is. But the TLDR is kind of like, like it's, just, it's fine if you think they're gay. Like, yeah, right. Got, if you resonate, if that's something that resonates with you, like, it's, it's, that's between you and the art. It's got nothing to do with, like, what was intended from it or... And I think when you put it in terms of, like, it being exploitation, it's so strange because it suggests there's some kind of ulterior motive outside of it just brings that person happiness. Exactly. It's like, who is does it hurt for someone to write Sam yeah. Lucky fanfic? Right! And, and additionally, I'm like... I've always kind of, in my mind, 
have had like a push pull in terms of like how much power do you really have? Like to what degree? Like do you ship something to a degree that you think it's like true now or whatever? Yeah. But I think like we've mentioned this before on the podcast. Like it's not new for queer people in particular, but this happens in other marginalized groups as well to project aspects of their identity into media that maybe didn't intend for that projection to be there. Yeah. And that's just that's a response to a general void of representation. So it's bizarre to me that it's now being suggested it is not the large media conglomerates that are not giving us the representation we want. It's the people who are writing fan fiction well, yeah. who are I mean, exploiting it for some other reason. Like, what? Yeah, I mean, and again, that seems to really be maybe other people on, on the internet have voiced about it, but that seems to be mostly Anthony Mackie's weird phrase statement that's yeah. so much surprising that. But like, on a large level, I thought it would be a good jumping off point to talk about, in general, the concept of, like, when someone puts a piece of art out there and they maybe have something that they intended, um, and maybe they didn't, and maybe they tell you what it is and maybe they don't, uh, once it's out there, it's up there for, for people to watch and see what they see in it and make their own interpretations mm-hmm. and conclusions about it. And, like, what, you know, like, just a general conversation about, like, how that, like, how we interface with art what we take out of it and, you know, whether it, you know, what, what, what is valid and not valid about it. Um, it's specific to shipping, which we can start there, I guess. Like, things like, you know, seeing gay, gay subtext or whatever and stuff that maybe is, maybe it was not there, maybe it was there, who knows? Well, and actually, right. to sort of answer a more specific question within the realm of gay subtext or queer subtext in general, you actually watched Luca, Brendan. Yeah, I did watch yeah. Luca was the other aspect of this article, too, which Luca, obviously, uh, as probably all know by now, uh, it's the Pixar movie that just uh, was on Disney+, Plus, on Disney+, Plus relatively recently. Uh, it is it, it is something that people had seen descriptions of and trailers for and sort of wondered, like, is this somehow supposed to be, like, a gay story for Pixar? Is this supposed to be a metaphor for, you know, coming out, homosexuality, mm-hmm. what have you? The basic premise is that uh, it's, it's two boys who are sea monsters. Whenever these sea monsters go above the water, they look like humans for all intents and purposes. So they can, you know, walk around town, be perfectly normal, but if they get wet, they develop scales and a tail and they look like their normal self. And the whole premise is basically just sort of like these two kids existing in a place where they're pretending to be one thing, always knowing that deep down, like, oh, but would the people of this town be, like, as nice and welcoming to you if they knew what you really looked like and what you really were? Isn't there specifically, though, like, anti-fish person presidents in this town, too? Well, it's, there's not really a president, per se. It's mostly just that, like, a lot of the people in the town believe that, like, sea, like a lot of people are like, okay, sea monsters, sure, whatever, and some yeah. of them are, are very much like, no, they're out there, and, like, we're gonna catch them, and, like, you know, there's a reward for sea monsters if okay. you ever catch one, and there's just, like, you know, like, a kid in the town who's a little shit and that sort of thing like that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's mostly kind of going off of that. Okay. But, yeah. So what is your take on it, then? So, I think um, I understand how you could make a story like this and not have it be a metaphor for coming out or for you sort of discovering your own excuse me your own queer identity uh, as a child or as a young adult Um, that being said I think it reads very 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 easily as a parable (laughs) for you for like a, a young kid coming to terms with who they are in terms of their own identity and obviously like there's no reason why it should be exclusively queer it could be you know coming to terms with whatever identity you have mm-hmm. um i i think it's a more obvious parallel than something like even frozen was like the thing we could talk there's a whole thing i could talk about frozen but the whole thing where like 
I think it's let very, it go and all that. Yeah. Well, I think it's very easy to look at Frozen again in terms of, again, someone coming to terms with their own sexuality, where it's like, you have to hide this thing about yourself, don't tell people what it is, but now it's like, no, I'm going to show who I truly am to the world. But, like, the thing about Frozen, I think, is just that, one... She has an ability which could conceivably kill or hurt people, which typically gay people don't. Sort of the X Men. But I mean, right? No, I mean, I guess it is the X Men fallacy again. And so, but it's also just like you know, like gay people by and large cannot create some sort of like environmental cataclysm, <laughs> to my knowledge, um, barring you know, like the creation of Glee or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And also just the, I think there was this sort of weird, I mean, I'm not going to say weird, like I get where it's coming from, but this this whole campaign for Elsa to have a girlfriend in Frozen 2, despite the fact that there is nothing to indicate that Elsa would be gay. I think if anything, Elsa is coded as like possibly asexual right, in the first movie. Like who has, Elsa has no interest in anything. Is there any she's anything? Yeah. Elsa just does not care. And so I think like there, that for me is sort of like the danger of like taking what is clearly a metaphor for someone coming to terms with who they are and telling other people who they are and grafting it onto the character and be like, ah, ergo must be gay. Right. Because like, I, that's, that, that was sort of the weird, like if the, if the story of Frozen were about Elsa and her best friend, the handmaiden who like, she couldn't tell her best friend, the handmaiden who she really was and what she was really like. And at the end she does. And her friend's like, that's okay. I still like you anyway. Then you can look at it and be like, yes, this is clearly some sort of metaphor for, you know, your sexuality mm-hmm. or like who you actually are. As it is, it's just sort of like, this is who I am. I'm not saying that it relates to, like, what I'm interested in. It's about, like, becoming your true self. Well, so it's like a, it's a broad umbrella under which sexuality could be. Right. Sorry, yes, go ahead. The thing with Frozen, right, and I want to tie this into Luca as well, but yeah. Frozen came first, and Frozen right. was more vague. And mm-hmm. the, the I think the queer subtext or that people drew from it is a more general, like, I mean, she was, like, as a kid, this bad shit happened with the ice shit, and she, like, in her parents were terrible and were like right. well just don't don't feel yeah yeah don't like just suppress all just, your yeah feelings. yeah like never let anyone know anything about yourself exactly Miles. so like it really just read that song to me how always just read i didn't really pick up on it because i just knew that other people did mm-hmm. it just read to me as like this person's been told to like not be themselves their whole life right and now because they had terrible people around them that were like well you shouldn't be yourself because right. yourself is probably well-intentioned bad. but like that yeah well-intentioned but like yeah ill-advised yeah um, and that song was just like, I, well, I fuck it, I'm tired, I'm exhausted of hiding myself. I just run it off. Yeah. Really am. And there's yeah. like, that is a very general thing that I think is applicable to anyone, mm-hmm. whether you're straight or right. or like you're, whether you conform to society or you don't. You can you can easily have something about yourself that either you believe or someone else has told you is like wrong and you shouldn't be like that. And so you're constantly putting on a face. You're constantly suppressing some part of yourself that you think is something you shouldn't show to everyone else. Right. So, given that that's sort of like what I read in, in Frozen, could that be what the case is in Luca, or is Luca somehow more obviously... I will say Luca for... Okay, and again, I'm coming from this from my own perspective, watching yeah. this as a gay man. I think Luca is more overtly... So here's the thing, too. This why I brought up the idea of, like, Frozen being a relationship between sisters, if Frozen were a story about, like, pr- about, you know, Princess Queen Elsa and her best friend, yeah. so then you could look at it differently. This is a story about two boys who are friends. This boy who, like, needs this slightly older boy who seems to, like, has his shit kind of figured out and is able to, like, you know, be like, oh, no, like, I- I've actually walked around this town millions of times. Like, come with me. Like, I'll show you everything. I know all about the world. And just, you know, like, their own close relationship. They're, like, very, like, their whole dream is that, like, the one boy, like, the Alberto, who's, like, the older of the two sea monster boys, mm-hmm. basically, like, he wants a Vespa. It's, like, his own, like, he has a post 
poster of a Vespa on the wall, and he just thinks it's like the neatest thing he's mm-hmm. ever seen. He's like, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna get a Vespa, and I'm like just gonna go wherever I want, and it's like I'm not gonna have anyone stopping me or telling me what to do. Like I'll just be completely free. And Luca, the younger of the two boys, is like, wow, that's great. And there's like various fantasy sequences where it's like the two of them on a Vespa riding through the Italian countryside together. Yeah. And you go because you're on a Vespa, one of them has their arms wrapped around the other one. Yeah. And so like those are like the small moments like that are things that like I think if you're a straight person are just it's just sort of like well of course his hands are around and like how is he gonna fucking ride a Vespa yeah. with you know, like you but like on the other hand like if you're looking at this through a gay lens it's one of those like I think moments in like a young gay kid's life where it's kind of like mm. you're in an experience like you know this is this is a situation where it is safe for you to hold another boy mm-hmm. you know and like it's it's a big deal for you because like you're you're allowed to do this and like express this but it's in a situation where it's like well yeah you have to hold on to them because otherwise you'll fall off and die yeah so i guess this is because this is my next question so yeah. to crystallize that to a very like um pithy like badly badly laconic way it's more obviously gay because there are two boys that are hanging out together a lot like, I think just another, are they just, just getting more there's more just visibly with? like a male friendship there that is strong and, and if I'm correct because I haven't watched the movie mm-hmm. but isn't there also like a girl they befriend and right. there's like sort of a jealousy thing that yeah there's, there's a little bit of that too where like the, the conflict comes from the fact that like Luca has the like Luca gets to like know this other girl Julia and she's talking about how like you know like oh during the regular school year she goes away to Genova she goes to school and he's like she's you know like telling him all these things like look through a telescope look at all the things you can see and all the things I've learned at school and Luca's like I think it'd be really great to go to school like I wish I could go to school do you think it would be okay if I went to school with you and Alberto's like no you can't like you can't do that you're a sea monster like you cannot enroll yourself in a school like what happens if you get what what happens if someone notices you like stick to our original plan we'll get yeah. the Vespa we'll go off on our own it'll be perfectly fine and Luca's kind of torn between these two ideas yeah. and so you have that you also again have the fact that like these are two kids who are you know pr- who like pretending to be one thing in this town full of people while not letting them know who they actually are right mm-hmm. so it's like the idea that like this town is being very nice and polite to them and they think there's just like these two sort of like kids who wandered in and are friends with this girl but in actuality if they knew like what they really were they would not be quite so accommodating and they would, you know, run them out of town. For I can definitely see there at least being like, that's, I think then a, a queer reading of that is a lot more grounded. I think, right? I, again, yeah, no, I, I think like what I like think that, basically, that seems like more guns to me than like, well, let it go is clearly right. Out. And, and again, like going back to the whole thing about like fan interpretations, if that is your interpretation of what let it go meant and if it has that significance to you, then great, wonderful. Um, you know, I like let it go. I think it's a good song. Um, but I, I, for me at least, I, I think Luca really kind of is more overtly that. And I can understand again, how you could create the story and not intend it to be a coming out, excuse me, a coming out story. That being said, like if, if indeed that is true and if, people at Pixar watched this movie and did not see this as a coming out story, then that says something about, like, maybe you need more gay people, like, who are higher up in Pixar or something, because, like, it's really... And you also have this thing where, like, in the end, they found out that there's, like, these two old women in the town, like, who they keep running into periodically, who, like, they meet in the beginning. And, like, then at the end, the two old women reel that, like, oh, they're sea monsters, too, actually, this entire time. They've been sea monsters. These two old women? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's, like, this whole, like, Boston marriage thing. It's, like, oh, these two old women, they've been living together. You're just, like, there's two old women they live with each other and it's like oh but they have a secret as to who they actually are there's too so many easily identifiable like yeah, yeah. queer tropes so in this. Right. i guess the reason that we're even talking about it for this episode is that like there's definitely people who are behind this movie were like well i didn't see it that way yeah right. yeah but it's it 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 officially 
The director has yeah. said that, like, this was basically just, like, based off of stories from my youth about, like, being a kid in Italy. And so, like, this, you know, it was just the idea that, you know, you, you have friends that who you're very close to. And, like, yeah, that's true, you do. Regardless of whether you're, you know, gay, straight, ace, pan, bi, whatever, right. you have friends who you have, like, a very close relationship with. Yeah. And, and that, but he hasn't, um, you know, he hasn't said anything like... It's well, no, like, stop saying that. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. But, you know... And, I mean, and again, the other thing, of course, the difference here, too, is that these are kids. And I don't want to say that, like, kids have no awareness of their own identities in mm-hmm. that sense, but kids are not sexual beings. Yeah, you can sense. say they're pretty sexual. Right, so it's like, I think you, you as a kid, because of the media you consume, might be like, I want to kiss X. You're not going to be like, you know, like, I have a sexual identity and sexual identity is this. Let's see where this goes. Exactly. But, I mean, this is the thing. Like, you can't... Because I've, I've heard that argument. You hear that argument a lot from, like, um, people who are maybe maybe being a little homophobic or transphobic. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, you can't expose it to children. You can't. Right, like, how does your kid actually know they're trans? Yeah, and it's like, uh, I don't know, but by the same token, you can, like, uh, you definitely, people have definitely sort of, like, always characterized children as, like, having little, little childhood crushes. Right, like, right, like, when you see a boy and a girl together, it's like, oh, it's your boyfriend? Like, oh, how cute, right? Like, haven't you discussed this before? I think that's weird as fuck. Yeah, I do people do, and I think it's gross to be like, oh, what a little heartbreaker. I'm like, that's a baby. But by the same token, right, like, you can be four, like, you know, five years old and, and, like, and, you know, boy or girl, and just have this vision. You see media of people getting together, and you can have this like childhood, like, oh, that'd be nice. I want to be in a couple someday. Right. right. And it's also, so I think, you... just that, like, you might have a close relationship with this person, exactly, which yeah. you interpret as being like that thing that you see, where it's yeah. like, oh, my mom and dad are really close. Ergo, I'm really close with this person, but like, I'm married to them, just like yeah, my mom like, and dad kids, are. Kids will do that, and yeah. you can maybe. If you're if you're queer or if you're straight at that age, you might see it with different types of people. Right. So it's but it's, it doesn't. We're not saying like that sexualized children. That's right. Kids mimicking what they oh see. My God. In the world. Right. I actually think the whole like you don't. Sex- I think that's a bad faith argument to begin with. Oh, it is absolutely. because yeah. it ignores. I think what is a significant reality, which is. Like, we kind of brought that up. Like, from the time that they're born, we're messaging sexuality to them. Mm-hmm. We right. message it to them in their toys, in their media, everything. Yeah. But it's when it's gay, that's when it's an issue. Right. Exactly, yeah. But I appreciate that the, like, the director at least hasn't like tried to shut it down or anything, because in my mind, like yeah, author or creator intent matters to an extent. I think it should inform the reading of a piece of media, but ultimately it lives in whatever interpretation you personally have. Right, and I mean, like, if there is a sequel to Luca, where we, you know, we catch up with him in eight years, and Luca has a girlfriend, I'm not gonna be like, hey, right. this isn't how it's supposed to go at all. Although I'm sure that would launch a million mm-hmm. queer dating videos. Of- I'm sure yeah. it would too, but, but, like, what I'm saying is that, like, you have to respect the fact that you don't own these exactly. creations. Yeah. And if someone, whoever or whatever, owns these characters, wants to make a movie where they do X, then you have very little say-so in that. Yeah. So, like, using Luca or, like, Sam and Bucky as, like, an example of that, of this type of thing, where it's, like, something that um, may not have been intended by people that made it, but to people are interpreting it that way. Like, I, I feel like a lot of the arguments against it posit themselves as, like, Nobody's outwardly saying, like, well, that's wrong and you're stupid. They're kind of saying, like, that they're using that, for Luca, they're using that kid's argument. Well, if they're kids, you can't sexualize them. So they're trying to come at it from, like, some sort of moral high ground. Mm-hmm. And, like, Anthony Mackie may not have been actually trying to do this, but like, other people might look at, like, Sam Bucky and be like, well, you're ruining male friendship or whatever. And it's like, let's get into it. Like, if it's, <laughs> if you're against this and you're trying to say that there's, like, anything harmful about it, I think there's, like, 
If you can convince me that there's anything actually harmful about it, sure. But I haven't found an argument. Yeah, no, that yet. there's not. I, can I mean, it's only. I think it's only a problem whenever like someone becomes like angry and petulant and insistent. That, exactly. Like, it must yeah. be like so, this, and if it's not, then you're you are like the bad one here. Yeah. And even then, I mean, at that point, it's just like, okay, you're obnoxious, and I don't care. Yeah, anymore. that's not a, that's not like the opinion is not harmful. It's right. like an unhealthy attachment to this thing, and that's like a valid thing to talk about. I think when you're talking about like. People in, who are really into a fandom or and making their own, you know, we're making their own little headcanons and fanfiction. Like you, you do have to be able to separate that from the reality. It's a but there isn't like yeah. moral thing being violated. Like there's no. nothing wrong about putting that in there. And I just, I'm like, I cannot get over how fucking insulted I am by just the idea that it's like, oh, to to suggest a queer identity is sexualizing them as if like mm-hmm. the only aspect you're willing to accept about homosexuality is like lust and sex. Like, what yeah. the fuck? And I, I also do want to get into like the opposite side of the spectrum where um, if you're, it, you know, maybe some people are doing this ironically, um, but some people are not, I think, where... You, somebody who's really into Sam and Bucky uh, maybe looks at the show Falcon and Winter Soldier and throws around a term like queer baiting, which is like, I don't think <laughs> no. there's a time and place for that term, but I think that nothing, we're starting literally to nothing use in that Falcon word. and Winter Soldier exactly. is queer baiting. There is, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you look at this, if you're looking for like something to confirm your suspicions that these two characters are gay and interested in each other, you'll you find will not find it. Like, yeah, well, I mean, you could, but yeah. I mean, it's, because it doesn't happen does not mean that you have been queer baited. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I think there are, like, there are, I think, times where you could pretty convincingly argue that that did occur, but. I, I think a lot of times, yeah, it's a word used just for the disappointment that it didn't match up right. to the gayness you had yeah. in the headcanon. It is starting to mean that, I think. And I I think it's fine if you're being, if you're joking about, like, your, your canon didn't come true, like, aha, you queer me again, Marvel. But, like, if you really mean that, I, you're sort of cheapening the actual Like, the actual, yeah, actual queer yeah. yeah. I am also, yeah, I mean, like, put it on the same list as the term cancel culture. It can mean whatever you want it to mean. Yeah. Um, but the... The, the thing I find very frustrating about that is one of the biggest contradictions, I think, of that kind of criticism, too, if anyone's trying to seriously make that claim, mm-hmm. is then stop giving them your fucking money. If you really believe they were queer-beating you, you would stop forking over the cash for the tickets to watch these fucking movies. Yeah, and I think what you should be uh, upset about are visible representation in general. Yes! Like, right. like and, and the prominence of it, because Disney, especially with the Marvel movies, has played, like, chicken about it for so long. Yeah. With like and in all the Disney remakes as well. Yeah, that one dude with the husband who we cut out in Infinite Infinity War. I think yeah. it was and like uh, I guess the, we'll see about the Eternals. I don't know. Or like That's what um, they keep saying. What was they that one? In, what it. was that one in Star Trek where you get to see Sulu and like embrace his like husband. a brother, <laughs> his, his husband. fucking husband? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying, like I, I, again, I didn't need them to fuck, but you can fucking kiss him. You have yeah. Chris Pine making out with the, like, TNA of that movie throughout. I know. But, but yeah, it's, it's, that's what you should be like. If you're going to be up in arms about anything, I would be up in arms about that. Yeah. I also think, like, in general, complaints about queer dating is, like, I'm mad about this, about this very minor, specific symptom of a huge problem about just representation in media in general. Mm -hmm. And I think if you believe, as I do, that media and the popular media that increasingly few number of conglomerates agree to make um, those are kind of viewed as the accepted stories or narratives of our culture and if you are cutting out queer people or people of color or you know other marginalized groups 
that's really fucked because yeah. then you're pretty much telling them there is no place for you in our culture. Yeah. And that's why, like, that's been kind of my push-pull with Disney in general. I don't feel like... I feel like I'm being kept on a hook with the promise, maybe someday, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. Yeah. And I think it's bullshitty to just essentially sit on my hands and wait for scraps. Yeah, I mean, the problem... I mean, yeah, I don't want to get into... This is a whole different argument with, like, the reasons Disney holds back from this kind of thing um, that is maybe to do with a certain nation um, <laughs> so in the East. We will not speak. Uh, <laughs> nation or two, but... Or else we might have to do an apology. Things are, yes. I think things are slowly starting to get a little we bit better. We know who runs Taiwan. <laughs> um, we had talked off mic, off, like, in our chat about, like, Loki and how, like, I wondered if the TV show meant that they could do more because maybe the TV show doesn't matter as much in the country because, like, Loki is now canonically by mm-hmm. the TV show. Which was fun. Yeah. yeah. Which is fun, and it's great that, like, that was, like, put out in the open. Again, still something that could be sort of cut out. Right. Well, and again, also, I, again, I, I, is, again, is Loki airing in China, right? It's like, again, yeah. Yeah, like, know. so, I don't know. Can you do whatever you want in the TV shows and it doesn't matter because they'll never air in other yeah. countries I mean, anyway. again, they're saying that, like, Valkyrie is going to be explicitly stated as bisexual I mean, movie. I would say keep your eye on it, though, just because, on that kind of shit, because, um, do you remember before when they were accepting all of those kudos for making Love, Victor, and then they were like, oh, wait, that's too adult for our child for Disney Plus because they're saying that's a family streaming thing so they put it on Hulu what is adult about it is that Love, Simon or Love, Victor Love, Victor is a series sequel it's like a TV show spinoff sort of of Love, Simon okay and Disney Plus it was one of their it was going to be one of their launch titles Mm. and then basically once China was like, mm, they put it on a service that. Are you sure it's China though? Well, they could just geoblock it. Out yeah, of China. I don't think it's China. I think it's Disney getting just their own cold feet about doing it. I don't yeah. think they're doing it's China. I think a lot of times it is China, but I think sometimes it's just D- Disney being a corporation. All corporations are inherently conservative. Yeah. There was also that. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think there was that thing um, recently when they uh, the. I can't remember his name, but the creator of Gravity Falls basically, like, apparently some number of years ago tried to create an explicitly gay character, and Gravity Falls was a Disney-funded yeah, show. Like, no. And Disney was yeah. like, nope, yeah. not for kids. Yeah. So again, we've, we've got a long way to go on that still. Yeah. But, you know... Yeah. Make to make those kind of demands. Don't get yeah. mad because your ship doesn't come true. And don't let... But some... read all the fanfiction you fucking want. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Don't... I'll read it. Don't let a corporate flack tell you that's exploiting something so pure yeah. as homosexuality. <laughs> I'm not into Sam Bucky, but I'll read your other fanfiction. Yeah, I'm not either. That's my biggest takeaway is that I don't... Yeah. I never got that relationship between Sam and Bucky. Homosexuality is, tell you what, is so pure. Just don't don't sexualize it. I have read some real great Lokius fanfics, though. And I'm, I'm I mean, that's fine. On that, board honestly, that, that, that those two, I think those two have more chemistry they than do. Sam and Bucky ever had. I mean, I don't even know... I don't even need that those kind of, like, fanfics and dynamics the way that should be explored to be, like, romantic. Mm-hmm. I just really love the two of them as, like, wow, somebody validates Loki as a person. Yeah. Like, what a nice thing for him. Poor sad boy. <laughs> um, I do want to generally talk about shipping. I just, like, I, just as a personal note to it, um, because I, because I, I do want to say that, like, I, I've sort of come around to it as a person through the years. Like, when I was a kid, my first experience of Slash fanfiction was uh, Sherlock and John Watson, and it really rubbed me the wrong way as a kid, and I was kind of, like, against Slash fanfiction as a concept, because I had always embraced Sherlock Holmes as, like, an asexual Mm -hmm. model, like, one of the only few I could really rely on. And so, like, when I went on fanfiction.net and just saw that, like, there was a shit ton of, like, gay fanfiction, I was like, fuck. How dare you? (laughs) Yeah, I, like... And it did feel like, you know, I, I, this big invalidation of like, wow, everyone else seems to want them to bang, but I'm just over here, like, enjoying yeah. Sherlock Holmes as someone who doesn't have romantic relationships. Okay. 
Um, but I don't know. I don't really know what the turning point was, but you know what? I'm all about it now. When, yeah. when it fits, you know. Yeah, I never cared. I, I don't know. I don't do it. I, I don't ship characters at all just because it's it's just like it's not worth the mental stress. Yeah. I mean, for me to do it. what else? Like the thing is, like, is why, why you're shipping. I was like, I I've always been into fan fiction. I've always written fan fiction. Mm-hmm. I love reading fan fiction. I love I love reading AU's, aka alternate universes. Mm-hmm. That's really fun for me because I like. I mean, I think it's it's, it's a great interpretation. I think it connects to like what I really liked in TV writing, where like I got to take someone else's characters and like play around with them in yeah. my own worlds, and it's like there's a fun aspect of like trying to get in the head of something someone else has created and like run with it and keep them true to that sense, but do your own thing with it. I've always enjoyed that, um, and I like reading really good ones. I've read so many good Game of Thrones AU's because the world of Game of Thrones is fucking miserable to me, <laughs> but I love the characters and yeah. I like seeing you know I love seeing Jaime and Bran having fun in high school together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is a lovely counterpoint. <laughs> yeah. It is. Just instead of, like, the misery of that universe. Right. Just, just like them the... goofing around in high school or college. I, I mean, I wrote fanfiction for a brief time in college, and I read it around the same time. Shipping was... I never really kind of did it very passionately, but I would sort of, like, be... I've, I've never... I don't own a Tumblr. I, I've um, never, like, <laughs> gone around the like... board and, and been like, yes, Do you I remember the... This was the one of the weirdest like phases of Tumblr. I wasn't really on it, but I just remember seeing this around of like ask blogs where people would essentially pose as fictional characters and people would just ask them questions oh, and there, answer well, them in like, character. Oh my god! There's like RP things. Too, That's far. When like you're if you're really into a ship, you'll do like an RP. And I'm I'm not. If this is your thing, enjoy it. But mm-hmm. it's a bridge too far for me. Where it's like. Me, uh, me and another writer will engage in like a, a dialogue a dialogue as the characters and we're gonna role play the relationship that we both enjoy which seems like weird uh, like that to me seems a bit weird maybe mm-hmm. it works for people but I would I feel like it would be really the the lines between reality and fiction are too blurred there for me <laughs> maybe like people would, are able to separate that I feel like that would muddy whatever friendship that was beginning on exactly Especially if the characters we were playing were meant to be, like, sexy. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's different. I mean, I've, I've seen that there are, like, there are actually card games that I think are... There is a card game, at least that I know, that is meant to be played between two people and is meant to be, like, a romance thing. Hmm. Which is, like, I guess it could be interesting, but it does... Like, I guess you have to be really comfortable in that friendship yeah. for, like, to not get that conflated at all. Like, yeah. Like, you both really like rom-coms, but, and you're gonna try to tell a rom-com story the two, together with the two of you, but... Don't really fall in love. <laughs> I guess it's weird. I guess I see the game as somehow less weird to me than just writing than just writing it because yeah. I think that just writing a part is that appears to me to be like a product of your like deep devotion to that character. And again, that's fine. But yeah. I think that the difference between that and the game is like, well, the object of the game is you just make a romantic comedy together. Yeah. But no, I mean, I th- I, I I I love fan fiction, and I really like shipping because I, li- I there are like a lot of ships that I have read fanfics for that I, I don't understand. They wouldn't make sense in the real world, mm-hmm. but I like exploring the idea of like, what if? Yeah. How would that work? Those are, those are fun questions to explore for me. I have never written fanfiction, and I don't read it. <laughs> I just some of us just stay clear of that whole ball some game. Some people just stay out of the ventilation. Yeah, it's a hard, it's it's tricky waters to wade into, especially if you're me and you don't really want to, you really want to sidestep around all of the really weird kink stuff, <laughs> which is, you know, if it's a lot thing, of it. If that's your thing, enjoy it. But <laughs> I have I have some big tag filters to avoid some shit. Um, well, happy Pride, everyone. Happy Pride. <laughs> I do want to uh, talk about one more thing to this topic before we close it out. Oh yeah, which was uh, beyond the opener to this discussion. There was like a more general 
sense of like you know making your own interpretations of shows and there are I think there are shows uh, Lost and the Leftovers I think are two that are, they're both by the same person so that makes sense that I'm bringing them both up but where uh, there are a lot of sh- a lot of media is like this where it presents like an open ended thing mm-hmm. and they don't explicitly tell you in the show like this is the thing it's that happens yeah, it's right. this and it it is abs- it's, it's like explicitly left up to the viewer to draw their own conclusion. And uh, I hate that. <laughs> I fucking hate it. And like, even though, like, I think it's fine to leave it open, but I hate it when they won't tell you what they meant. Yeah. Like, I don't, listen, I don't need, I'm not going to, like, listen to you just because you tell me what you meant. I just want to know what you meant so right. that I can synthesize that in my brain into part of my conclusion. I feel like that's kind of how, I, I don't mind ambiguity in things, but I'm always interested in hearing, like, what the intent actually was, you know? Like, yeah. if you want to present it. As ambiguous, that's totally fine, but I love to know, like, what you... I know, I, as a writer, I want to know yeah. what you thought, like, right. what was in your brain. I mean, if you, like, literally went and wrote something, and, like, your conclusion was like, oh, I don't know what happened. Yeah, that's, like, to me, that's just like, what are you doing? Then, that was, a, like, then that was a thoughtless conclusion. Right, it's yeah. just like, like you must, like, you have to know something, and if you don't want to tell us, that's fine, That's fine, you know? but then to say that... But I just want to, I, I like to know that you know. But if you say you don't know, I'm going to lose faith in you yeah. as a writer. I think a lot of time, this whole fear over, like authorial intense spoiling the reading experience is so fucking ridiculous yeah. to me. I find a piece of media so much easier to understand if I can understand where the author is coming from. Exactly. And clearly, as shipping has indicated, uh, we will draw our own conclusions whether or not you tell yeah. us what you meant. So, yeah. like, let us. So might as well. <laughs> might as well let us know. I just, like, um, yeah, I just don't get why, like, just as an artist, just let us know what your intention was. Yeah, so The Leftovers was an interesting quote that I wanted to bring up, because there's, like, the books, right, and then Damon Lindelof adapted that into the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, so, one of the interesting things about the adaptation is that Damon apparently asked the author of the book, like, hey, so, I just want to know, before I make my show, what did you imagine happened to the other 2% of people? And the author was like, honestly, I never thought about it. And it's like, <laughs> you never? <laughs> what do you mean? You, you never thought about no it. There's no way I believe that story. Right, I don't either. How could you how could never have like, thought How can, like, this be the premise of your story and you're just like, mm, don't know. Yeah, you fucking liar. You liar. know. You had an idea. Maybe you didn't draw a specific idea, but you have at least 10 no- ideas no of shame, what happened right. to those two people. Right, and I mean, that's the thing, too. Even if you said, like, well, there's a couple things I thought, at least yeah. we know the things you Thought, Listen, you know? what an alarming thing to say about your own creation. I never thought I about never it. I never thought about it. Really? Yeah. I, I understand. The book is not about the 2% of people that left. However, you absolutely thought about you it. You had to have. Yeah. It is impossible. Yeah. I, I, how could you be that incurious about your own work? Yeah. Um, and with the TV show, I think I already ranted to you about this. Did I yes. I you about well, this? Well, we, we talked we about this during the hadn't seen it. Yeah. 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 Um, but I... I've seen the end of the leftovers. Oh yeah, yeah. I've not seen any of the rest of it. So it was like a contextless finale. I've only seen the ending. But what really I'm gonna spoil the leftovers. Do you care? No, I'm gonna spoil the leftovers. But the the big thing at the end of the leftovers. You left them in the sun all day. No, our leftovers are spoiled. No, they're rotten. (laughs) Um, The big thing at the end of that show is the idea that one of the main characters who could never get over her husband and kids leaving or whatever. there's like a mythical machine. Oh, you told us about it. You described it. Yeah, yeah, she goes into the machine yeah, so the, and you don't the, know what happens. You don't know what happens. Yeah, the idea is you see her go into the machine, you don't see the machine, it cuts before like it activates or whatever. Yeah. And she then proceeds to like cut, flash forward to the future and she meets, she's still in the 98% world mm-hmm. and uh, her love interest shows up again and she eventually tells him the story of like what happened where she says like, well, I did go to the other world. I did go somewhere else, but what happened was I went to a world where it was only the 2% of people who were left were there, and so there was, like, no infrastructure, it was, like, nothing was there, 
and I eventually found my family, and it turns out that, like, surprise, in seven years, they, like, made a new family, and they're happy without me, and I'm the ghost in this world, so I don't belong in this world. So I found the scientist who made the machine, and then I had him make me the, the machine to go back, and now here I am, and it was a big question where she was, she's like, do you believe me? And the guy says yes, and then it's, like, sort of a happily ever after mm-hmm. they live, even though, like, they were apart for, like, 50, 40 years or something. <laughs> yeah. Um... And at the end of the show, like, they were interviewing Damon about it, and he was like, uh, yeah, I never told, I never told, like, the actress if, uh, that was real or not. And they were like, well, what do you think? And he was like, I don't know. I didn't think of it. And I was like, no. How like, did you not know? He won't say. He won't say if that was real or not. I, I always hate it when they say I don't know, then I'm like, then, then it was a thoughtless thing you did. Yeah. Like, it bothers me. You know what? That's annoying. Uh, you brought me into this irritation as well. I want to know. A lot of, I feel like a lot of people don't want it to be real, but I, I want I want the two percent world to be real. As someone who has never seen the rest of the show, I choose to believe that that really happens. Yes, I mean narratively, what a crazy it's, wacky thing. Narratively, it's beautiful. You're a real anti Bernie Sanders. You're only concerned with the two percent. I'm only concerned. With the 2%. <laughs> but I, I mean, I frankly love the narrative of somebody who like was so obsessed with finding what happened where her last family was that she did this like potentially going to die machine and it fucking worked and she got all the way there and was like I made a mistake better go back and then like, went all over the world again had the scientists make another machine and you did hear again. the answer though huh? I thought you did hear the answer no oh. what do you mean? Uh, no in the show they never say oh in the show they never say I thought you had heard it separately though oh well this is what Faith said but I, I don't know that Faith was working because Faith um, our mutual friend of the show um was on the finance team, I think, for The Leftovers. She was, like, in the accounting side of things. And she said that it was re- fake. She said that, like, that was never meant to be a real thing. There was no 2% rule. But David Lindelof himself has said... I, I think know. he's sort of I think he's sort of cheekily saying it's not true, but he won't actually say it's not true. Mm. It was just a story. Um, I think his, like, final word on it is, like, what's what matters is that Kevin believed her or something. It's like, okay, but, but did she, though? <laughs> But was that machine real? But what is the objective truth of this world you created, David Lindelof? Yeah. I want to know. I want to know what you thought. They won't say. And that's... Do you know what? If you're if you're a creator out there, um, you better fucking tell me what you meant. So <laughs> I ask. If I ask. You if I see you on the street, story. you better tell me what answer. you meant. However, unsolicited, unsolicited explanations, get out. Yeah. Anyway. That's all I have to say about this matter. This was... I really enjoyed discussing this. Yeah. I think we went to interesting places. I want to watch Luca now. Yeah, watch Luca on Disney Plus. Like, uh, would you really... suggest it, like all the, that, that discussion aside? Yeah, no, I thought it was really charming. I it's, it's, it, you should also watch In the Heights, which was also very good. But um, Luca is it's much less like emotionally draining than a lot of Pixar movies are. It's just like a very charming story about That's friends. Like, they don't always like that, but every movie they make now is more and more. Right? No, they they sort of fall into a rut of being like, no, we like. Oh, wait, to be fair, like Incredibles two wasn't, but like by and large, a lot of them are sort of like this movie will emotionally destroy you. Ever since Up, they just leaned into it, and I'm just like, get a new mean guys. This is like how people keep trying to tell me. Well, but. I I, know, it's, I, I enjoy your pithy explanation. It's just like the new meme of, or it's like it's sort of. I, I talk about Nicolas Cage in the same way of like, did you know he's in a really crazy movie that like looks wacky? And I'm like, yeah, no shit. He just needs to get a new shtick. And I mean, same thing with Pixar. Like we've played it out. We got it. You drop emotional bombs on us. We see it coming now. You need to do I something guess, else. I guess. By the same token, nobody's tired of Keanu Reeves being John Wick. Yeah, and I'm again. I'm I not, still haven't seen John Wick, so I well, I should. Seen any of the John Wick movies? No, I've only seen. Can't one. believe you. Honestly, just the more hype that happens, the least 
the, the less I want to. So my counterpoint is just that some people like Nicolas Cage being weird rocking movies, and if that's Which is fine. fine. Yeah. But I, I do think that, you know, variety is the spice of life. Yeah, yeah. I want to wrap this up. Let's wrap it up. All right. So we'll be back in two weeks with our full-length episode, My Best Friend's Girl, uh, with Dan Cook. <laughs> uh, you can listen to it then. As always, you can uh, rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. You can go to our website at dratpack.com, where all our podcasts live. Yeah. And that's about it. Come at us in two weeks. Come at us then. Bye! Bye. Bye.